Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it and why we need it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today, my guest is Anna Marie Watson, who is a performance coach and coach supervisor, and she describes herself as happiest outdoors. She loves to escape the confines of four walls and co-create coaching conversations with nature. She is a former British Army officer and has worked in challenging environments from snowy Arctic tundra to hot and sandy deserts. Alongside her passion for performance and coaching, Anna Marie has a severe ultra running habit. She loves racing overseas and has achieved podium positions on various events on the Ultra Trail World Tour Series, on Marathon de Sable and other crazy long distance events. She says that she is on a mission to encourage a different approach to work where our natural environment is valued within the business world. She co-hosts the Coaching Outdoors podcast has contributed to the Coach's Handbook and succeeding as a coach on eco-coaching and regularly speaks about the benefit of being immersed in nature. She's a nomad at heart and is regularly on the road in PJ, her adventure van, and with Bryn, her trusty trailhound. Both are gorgeous and she is a coffee fiend, macrame crafter, plant lover. Hello, welcome to the podcast, Anna Marie. Hey, Jen, thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, resilience is definitely a topic that is close to my heart when it links into performance um, and also the whole nature piece as well. Nature yes, I'm really... Amazingly resilient. I'm so interested to... Well, I'm here, interested to hear on all your words about resilience but especially the nature aspect as well because I feel like that's something that I felt rather than kind of known about or being able to articulate before so I'm really interested to hear what you say about that. Um, let's start off with kind of what do you mean by resilience when we're talking about it? Wow okay so <laughs> we can either have the abridged version <laughs> or the long form answer. Let's um, start with the abridged and then the long format is just going to be the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so keeping it super succinct in a nutshell, um, I believe um, resilience is that ability to bounce back after a challenge or a perceived obstacle or something unexpected that has cropped up. So there's something about the word bounceability that for me just really gives a bit of a spring a bit of a boost into the word resilience resilience and it can come from a variety of different areas and I you know in my head I've got a bit of a framework that it breaks down into and yeah happy to dive into further under your direction. <laughs> I mean, one thing before, I am interested in your framework and we are going to go through that, definitely. But one thing that I am interested in is whether that definition of resilience is something that you would have as being constant over time. I'm thinking, you know, as I said in the intro, you were in the army, um, you've done all these ultra running 
events all over the world but also you've been a coach for quite a long time as well is it it's like over 10 years isn't it um has that definition of resilience stayed the same over that time has it changed um I'm very interested in what like an army officer's definition of resilience is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely evolved. Um, and I do find with resilience, it, it is very on trend, been on trend for maybe the last kind of five years or so, particularly within the HR world. Um, so if you'd mentioned the word resilience to me as a, 20 nothing second lieutenant of the British Army um, who was, I don't know, spending time on holiday courtesy of a taxpayer in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, resilience wasn't a word that was in use. It wasn't vogue. It wasn't really something that you kind of talked about. And yet there was still that underpinning, how do you flex? How do you adapt? How do you respond? Um, which ultimately is, uh, you know, serving particularly in an operational environment is absolutely key. How do you really know how to react in a, in, in a such a small time window? You know, ultimately it is, um, a lot of problem solving. It is expect the unexpected. And how do you move through that? Um, predominantly it was, you know, within the military, particularly during training, there's a lot of, like physical resilience is something that I very much aspire to, you know, just going through like your leadership training course at Sandhurst um, for the year, you needed mental resilience to get through that. Um, just the, the, it, you, you kind of got broken down. And for me, particularly as a, as a female and as a small female, the ability to go out on exercise and carry a Bergen plus your rifle, plus radio batteries, plus uh, everything apart from the kitchen sink, it seems, you know, you had to be physically resilient to get through that. Um, and then mentally as well, there was, and, and to be able to respond in moments of fatigue as well, because there was a lot of sleep deprivation going on. Um, emotions wise, not, not so much um, emotions in the military is potentially not you know, talked about so much, though that was 20 years ago, things have changed. And then, you know, moving into my, you know, transitioning into the world of leadership, into the world of coaching. And yes, I've been within the coaching world. I'm not quite sure how for over 12 years now, that kind of seemed to go by in a bit of a flash. And my conversation with my clients, you know, for me, I, I coin it, you know, performance coaching. And again, as a coach, how do you frame what you do? Um, and, you know, for me, performance is very much, you know, performing at life. How do you show up each day? How do you be? How do you, um, you know, get that layers of behaviors, of emotions, and then actually that deeper purpose and identity um, so that everything is in alignment so that actually you can be the best ver version of, of, of who you are and reach your potential. Um, and for me, my kind of explorations into resilience, is, it, it also comes from my sporting background and competing you know, as an athlete on the ultra running um, kind of world, I need to be resilient to be able to perform. When you're racing over, you know, multi-stage or 100 miles, 100 kilometers, you need to be resilient physically, mentally and emotionally so that you can really endure. And it's, it's the long game. It's playing the long game. And within that time perspective, there's a lot of risk involved anything could crop up and actually how do you move through that um so that you are really you know setting the conditions for your success 
and now you know working with my clients you know resilience is is something that we have conversations about on a on a regular basis and I think with resilience it it leads into so many different areas whether it's around energy um whether it's around um you know performance whether it's around how to manage emotions how to manage conflict how to manage social interactions and and I very much kind of put it into these different threads of okay we've got physical resilience we've got mental resilience we've got emotional resilience we've got social resilience and then actually within the whole nature piece what does nature bring in what can we learn from nature and actually what and there's a science behind it as well how does science support us so within resilience it, i i also believe it splits into two bits it's like how can we be proactive how can we look to seek to build our resilience as we move through each day and then actually in that moment how can we react and and ultimately we want to be setting that baseline foundation so that we are being really proactive so that actually when things crop up they just they don't phase us so much we're not triggered as much so actually then the reaction the spike is less the intensity is smaller and we can deal with it easier so I'm going to pause for breath now. That's probably the bounds <laughs> of information. No, that's fascinating. I'm just making loads of notes. Does that overlap with when you were talking about you, the framework for resilience? Is that the key of that point? Um, so, yeah, how do we be proactive? <laughs> so, uh, help me, help me. <laughs> oh, so so this is where I do divide it into those areas okay let's think about it what can we do to support ourselves to build our resilience from a physical perspective from a mental perspective from an emotional perspective from a social perspective and and within those categories it's being really aware of okay so what builds each and actually what breaks each so you then have this blueprint and you can map this out as to okay so coming into the physical side of things what 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 builds my resilience and for me it's it's coming back to the it's like it's the basics of sleep like sleep is incredible and I am a sleep monster like give me a duvet eight ten hours a night I need my sleep and recognizing that in myself and I I I I work with a number of clients who are like I'm fine on four hours and it's um, a bit of a challenge there. Okay, really? Um, things such as, you know, making sure that you're hydrated properly. If you're dehydrated by 2%, your performance suffers by up to 10% from a mental perspective. So this is where this overlap then becomes between the different areas. So physically, there can be an impact on us mentally, or there can be an impact on emotionally. So it's very complex the way that it it, it connects. And, and, and also, you know, what builds you from a, a nourishing your body from a nutrition perspective? You know, a lot of work is done by our brain. We're mainly living in a knowledge economy these days. So our brain is our prize asset. How can we feed our brain so that it can ultimately do do the mental work, the intellectual work that we are asking of it? So really bringing it back to, okay, so looking at the macros, looking at our, my, my micros, maybe what supplements that I want, because sometimes depending on what you're eating, actually the, the quality of that produce is not giving our bodies enough. And that is... Also, then being really mindful about the choices that we make. We don't want to be eating, you know, Franken foods where we look at a label and we don't actually recognize half of the ingredients. So it, it is, it's, it's, it's the building block. So that's just the, the physical side of things. So knowing what supports us, what, what builds my resilience from a physical perspective. And yes, there's an element of movement as well. You know, we were designed evolutionally to, to move. 
Um, and we seem to spend most time, you know, sat down attached to a computer these days. And actually, for how is that supporting our resilience? Um, so, okay, so we know what builds, what breaks. So breaks, you know, if I'm eating rubbish, if I'm not drinking, or I'm just drinking loads of caffeine all the time, I'm getting no sleep. Um, and it's it's very much, okay, I am less resilient. You know, for me, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, today is maybe going to be a bit of a struggle because I haven't looked after my physical needs, which support my resilience as I move through each day. And I'm going to feel like I'm wading through treacle most of the day. And actually, what wouldn't normally phase me is going to trigger a different response instead. That's fascinating. That's just the physical one. I mean, you mentioned about social resilience. What do you mean by that? So social resilience, and again, it comes down to, okay, so what builds, builds, who builds? Who do you spend your time with? And it is that all adage if you look at the seven people closest to you as a reflection back on, you know, who you are. And actually, from a positive psychological perspective, how do they boost you? How do they support creativity? How are they your champions and your cheerleaders? And actually, you get a real buzz from being with them. And it's that collective collaboration and inspiration that actually inspires you. And I think there's a part of it as well as as recognizing, you know, how much social connection do you need? And we live in this real kind of strange paradox at the moment that we are hyper connected, more connected than ever before. And, you know, rates of loneliness are absolutely huge. We're in this kind of loneliness pandemic, as it's being coined. Um, so how do you have authentic connections and and, and how do you show up within those relationships how do you contribute to them and actually what do you get back in return it's this idea of reciprocity and you know for me it's 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 having social connections and it's having that connection to myself and having time to myself I'm a classic little introvert I do get you know, introvert extrovert it's a spectrum it shifts it's a gray though it can be useful to help understand actually where do I go in times of pressure? How do I recharge? How do I restore myself? Well, for me, it's it's on my own. You know, for others, it can be around other people and, you know, taking energy from, from others. So for me, it's very much about having these quality relationships, which really, really helps that social resilience and how to increase it. And conversely, it's, okay, so what breaks it? Who is potentially a bit of a vampire? who sucks and drains my energy, who is almost like this black cloud of negativity that I really just need to put boundaries up and manage those boundaries and push back. And whether, you know, within social connections, you know, we all only have so much time and energy. Well, actually, how do I want to be spending that? Who do I want to be spending it with? And having relationships that really nurture, you know, the mind, the heart and the soul so that they are conducive and you know for me you know looking back on my military career a lot of my social connection was in the officer's mess and it was highly social uh, around alcohol a lot of the time um and actually with that connection using alcohol as a vehicle for connection actually to what degree is that a genuine connection how is that really for growth and development as opposed to it's just a you know, a bit of a mundane, a kind of the usual moaning, whining, whinging kind of comes out. And actually from a 
uh, and I all see resilience as it's, it's part of that evolution. It's a part of growth as an individual. Um, so that ultimately, you know, you're using your time on this planet to serve a bigger purpose. Then, okay, so how socially, who supports me in that? And also, who do I want to support? Like, what impact do I want to have on society? Um, what change do I want to create? And how can I be that kind of ripple across um, bigger society? Um, and how can I speak up and speak my truth? And have the resilience to do that because sometimes speaking up and speaking out, particularly if it's contrary to the status quo, it can be really, really, um, I know, quite frankly, quite scary at times. There can be an element of fear around it. <clears throat> so actually, to to have that support network and to have those really strong relationships who who collaborate and encourage and challenge you is vital for growth. Wow. <laughs> and these are kind of quite big questions that um, you're saying about our purpose and other things that, you know, day to day, I don't sit down and think about that. But is that something that comes up quite often in coaching that you're there to ask those questions and work with people or other people that come to you that do have very clear direction of, of what they're doing and their purpose? Mm, is that really vague? two-word answer it depends (laughs) (laughs) who are your generally who are your coaching (laughs) clients that you work with um so the majority are it's it's almost like this kind of period of transition not entirely sure where they're going though where they are at the moment is not where they want to be and how clear of where they want to get to it can be varying degrees so some can have a really clear path though it's more they are reaching out for the support of how to get there and actually having that element of accountability and also having someone beyond their existing network who has no preconceived ideas about where they are and is there to you know create that safe space so that they can i know test ideas out experiment explore come back reflect um change things up because often with coaching it's what happens between the sessions that's where there's real traction um and yes the you know there are times when coaching sessions can become almost a little bit you know philosophical like what is the meaning of life what is my purpose on this planet um and to to have the time to explore that you know particularly with the 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 pace of life at the moment is it's a bit of a luxury and actually, when someone is willing to take the time to explore and go, OK, so actually, what is important to me? What are my beliefs? What are my values? What do I want to contribute? It's a real it's like pressing pause and having a real review of, OK, so where am I now? How did I get here? What are maybe the patterns and the trends? And actually, where do I want to go? Um, and, yeah, some people may not have an idea, though it's it's often within life, you know, knowing what your values are. And there's a great values exercise that you can do that really distills things back. If you know what your top five values in life are, then actually how do you show each up each day and live them? So for me, for example, my values, my top two are very much around connection and creator. So connection and creation. So I see myself as a connector. I see myself as a creator. It's all about connection with my coaching. It's, in, it's, it's providing that space so an individual can connect to themselves. It helps them to connect to others um, and it helps them connect to, you know, the bigger system, the bigger environment and really think about their contribution. And it's all about creation for me as well. You know, what can I create? Um, I want to, you know, in a, in a way, shape new content and offer it in an accessible way so people can take it. 
understand you know the content the knowledge that add value to their life and then they can apply it so it helps them to do something different because ultimately coaching is about change how can you um you know move towards a, a future that you you are pragmatically and actively um in making um a difference so it's often when we're not living in line with our values that that's where challenges kind of come up so for me you know at the head center of each day it's i'm a connector i'm a creator how can i live that each day how can everything that i do be in line with that it's a bit like your kind of northern guiding star and then i've got another layer of kind of values which is very much around curiosity so for me being curious being curious in the people that I meet, have conversations with, the places that I visit. It's very much that beginner's mind, asking questions and learning um, is is key. And it's almost if I go through a day and I haven't really discovered something new or it's just like, oh, it's a bit the same, it's a bit. Um, and for me, I'm motivated by novelty, by difference. Um, so there's um, curiosity. Also courage. Courage is another of my values. Um, actually being willing to, you know, maybe ask for something. And okay, it might not happen. I may get rejected. It may not work out, but not letting that hold me back. So it's placing the ask. It's, it's really having the courage to speak my truth, to speak up. And then everything is, and, and this can kind of sound a little bit fluffy within the business world. And I totally get it. And, and these are my values. And I've kind of gone, no, it's about love at the heart of it. It's all about love within the business world. You know, that can seem a little bit. I don't think of fluffy, well, you know, whatever. Um, ultimately, it's, you know, it's love for myself. If I'm not in being in love with myself, then how can I work with my clients? It's love for, you know, the white population. It's love for the planet. And actually, I I have that as a mantra because it's not always hard to love ourselves. Sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves. Um, so how can I really nourish myself um, and my soul and my, you know, my physical body and and be kind to it? And And, and again, Sometimes there is a bit of a disconnect, you know, when you think back to ultra running and the stresses that are placed on the body, how, you know, kind and gentle am I being to my body when I'm putting these physical demands on it? So it's having this awareness around the different elements and, you know, sometimes the contradictions that they show between them and then how do you manage them? So it's a a never ending. (laughs) And I just, was there anything else that you want to say? So we talked about those physical and the social resilience. You'd also mentioned some others, such as emotional. I mean, is it is that something that you want to expand on as well? Yeah, that you were. I love the emotions word. Oh, talking within the business world to emotions. I was facilitating a workshop yesterday, um, and emotions were part of the content. And it's it's emotions. There's still not much conversation about them, and in, in in a in a number of workplaces, I'm not, I'm not going to say, well, there has been a lot of change moving forward around kind of like the mental health perspective. Though I think emotions are something that we could all um, be more comfortable with having a conversation. And, you know, I, I liken my time back to the army, you know, emotions just weren't talked about. It was, uh, oh, don't be soft, man up. Um, there was a lot of emotions being suppressed and oppressed, which, you know, when you look at rates of, I don't know, trauma, PTSD, relationship breakdowns. Um, it's, 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 it's sad. And, and there's a lot of opportunity there. And, you know, for me, and it, it's, it's the kind of a cultural dimension as well, you know, it's a number of influences. And, you know, we're British, we have a stiff upper lip. I was brought up in the northeast of England in the 90s. Like, how often did you really talk about emotions? How often did I remember my parents? Oh, I love you. I'm like, not not so much and when I started on my coaching journey 
ends, you know, as a coach, your coach practice evolves, goes down different areas. And I, I remember starting out very transactional. I always call it a bit like project management coaching, a good old grow model. Where are we are, where do we want to get to, what we can do about it. And 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 if anybody brought emotions into the conversation, I'd be a bit kind of, oh, uh, 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 tears. oh my God, what do I do? Um, yeah. Um, so it's, 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 you know, first of all, you do the work on yourself. So for me, it's been very much getting comfortable with my emotions and, you know, identifying different emotions and sense making within that and like actually sitting with uncomfortable emotions because we can do a great job of distracting ourselves from really going oh okay I feel a lot of anger towards this and I think as female you know feeling anger it's not really acceptable um and how do you you know process it um how do you let it out um you know what about grief um loneliness sadness you know there are all these emotions that often will you know maybe comfort eat or go for a run (laughs) I was gonna say surely all these emotions are just fixed by a run aren't they (laughs) just keep making the run longer those emotions will never catch up (laughs) and it's almost I don't know for me it's like they it did to a degree and there is also scope to sit within them and and again it comes into this you know shifting states physically how then that influences changes in emotions as well and for me part of my emotional journey has very much been um supported by my yoga journey and getting onto the mat and being scared still and actually that stillness can be really confronting and actually what comes up within that um space and yet i still i use running a lot to process thoughts to process emotions to release to let go um, and I think it's almost having a variety of different ways to manage things is healthy as opposed to just having like one default strategy. It's like, oh, I'm feeling sad. Let's go for a run. It's like, OK, this is coming up. What's triggering it? Let's explore it. And ultimately, there will be something going on within the past that is surfacing. And actually, to what extent are you conscious of that? And then how can you really work through that so that you're getting deeper and knowing yourself more um within that and so with it within emotions it's very much you know how do you acknowledge the sensations within your body how do you label that how do you have the ability to share that how can you you know ultimately manage your own emotions um and then how do you connect with someone else and really feel into their emotions as well which is you know that element of vulnerability it can be really quite scary to admit to yourself I am feeling X, I am being triggered by X, my needs or wants aren't being met, there's a gap and that is is causing this. So, you know, the work in the NVC, Nonviolent Communication, Marcel Rosenberg, is 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 really helpful tool within that that people people can use. And then the work of um, Lisa Feldman Barrett, who's a neuroscientist, she's done a lot around how we have control of our emotions as opposed to emotions have control of us. And how can we bring that back to supporters? And does that fit into, I mean, so it sounds like we've been explaining these kind of almost like building blocks, which will help you to be more resilient. And then you mentioned about how we react. Um, so that seems to link in with just what you were saying about emotions. But um, yeah, where were you, what are you thinking exactly when you say it's about how we react? Mm. So then, so when you do the groundwork, when you do the foundations, that is then 
I don't know, pulling back the dial on the intensity on how you might react. So um, it's very much, you know, if you're feeling in control of your emotions, you've processed a load of stuff, maybe you've done some breath work or some yoga or you've been for a bird, you've been sleeping well, um, you've been eating and really nourishing organic foods um, and you've had social connection in person with, you know, your, your cheerleaders, then actually something happens and then it doesn't you know, potentially phase you so much. Whereas if there's that buildup where you haven't been so conscious in the way you've moved through each day, then something can happen. And then actually there's a, there's a, a I don't know, an emotional overwhelm, overload, a mental, you get stuck in these real kind of negative loops, um, pattern cycles can come through. And actually physically, you're feeling worn down, you're feeling tired, you know, the whole state, it could be maybe really like low energy and lethargic. So then it's okay. So how, what, what, like, almost, how can I get myself out of this? What are my go to default tricks and tips that, okay, it's in the moment, and it's, it's causing something to change. And, and ultimately, it's being conscious. So there is an element of noticing. You really need to be observing yourself. Okay, I can, I to a degree can kind of see what's here. I'm catching myself. It's like, ah, oh, okay. And often, you know, we are, we're, we're creatures of habit. So it, it's, it's, it's cyclical. And actually being aware of that, you can like, ah, oh, okay, old friend, I notice you. And actually, I'm going to listen to some music. I'm going to pause. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to, for me, a lot of it is like just just to get outside, even if it's a 10 minute round the block, there's that just away from Um, or whether it's someone's kind of triggered you. How can you really it's it's not it's not them. It's me. This is what I'm projecting onto that other person. Okay, pause and breathe. This is my interpretation. How do I how do I reframe this or how do I shift a conversation? How do I do a, a, an emotional um, reframe potentially? Um, and, and that can be really, really hard when you're kind of in, in the midst of it um, to kind of really kind of pause and to breathe. And, you know, I work with this with clients when, you know, particularly in the work environment, there may be a colleague who really, really triggers them. How can they not be sucked in or how can they set their boundaries and push back and say no sometimes? or ask for a break and to reconnect at another time so it's all about self-awareness and taking responsibility which is hard and it's confronting and we don't often get it right but as with life if we don't get it right or the way we respond to in that moment how we want to it's inevitable there'll be another chance to practice just around the corner <laughs> I mean I'm mean- imagining that you've got all these skills you've got all this awareness and you glide through life without any difficulties no well oh, we've got a pandemic no problem <laughs> is that how it is like how how um yeah do you feel like you're a resilient person how easy is it to use these tools and use this awareness on yourself as a coach and i yeah the pandemic was a total car crash complete car crash I will admit ends up um and my resilience was pretty rock bottom um and it's 
it's looking back with hindsight on the last two, three years that we have all endured. Um, it For me, it was a really, really tough period of time and it was very confronting. Um, and just to kind of put it into context, you know, I've, I've worked on myself incessantly. It's almost like I'm like my own little experiment. Um, and that is it's hard work and it's really getting to know yourself like emotionally like what triggers you so for me my default response is avoidance I'm a classic avoider um I detach I remove myself from the situation I withdraw I disconnect and that is a coping mechanism to protect myself and how conducive is that to my wider resilience and connection to others so for me, I have really pushed myself into quite uncomfortable positions when I've really just had this urge to flee, to run away, to hide, to you know, be within this moment and actually sit with the emotions that are coming up and the uncomfortableness of it. And for me, if I'm in that situation, I find it very difficult to articulate what I am want to say, what do I want to verbalize. Um, and it's been a it's a not well it's, a, it's an ongoing work in progress shall we say particularly with joe my partner who he is very patient with me and he he sees this pattern i see this pattern um and actually how can i be if something has triggered me because it's not what he said it's something that has triggered something in my past and actually how can i work through that so we can actually essentially hopefully have a grown-up relationship with each other um which unfortunately hasn't quite been so um in the past and and it, and and again with covid my resilience was it took a complete and utter battering um and i see this a lot in my clients over the last two or three years it's been a hard period in our earth's history for humans um and and there is a level of deep fatigue with a lot of people, and particularly now emerging at the beginning of 2023 with, you know, particularly within subsectors in tech and, you know, I have a number of clients in the tech world. There's a huge amount of restructure going on. There's a lot of redundancies going on. Um, and how do people navigate through that uncertainty? And when there is wider uncertainty, it's like your base, you know, pyramid needs, security, safety, uh, it comes down to you know food on the table somewhere to live for some people that is being challenged at the moment so that really takes a massive massive knock-on effect on on resilience and you know for me I have spent a lot of the last couple of years feeling exceedingly fragile um I've been you know through um the breakdown of a relationship a divorce moving house buying a new property which needs a lot of renovation that was a, a choice that's um ending up to involve more <laughs> mental emotional and physical involvement that I expected um and you know that that does that does happen and you know there's there's times when it has just really it's it's bring it back to basics I know that my resilience is low how can I mitigate against that how can I be gentle on myself how can I focus on the basics and actually sometimes just give myself a bit of a break cut myself some clap slack actually you know from a running perspective my running has taken a real batter um, I know for some people, COVID was great. They were out training all the time. They built up their fitness. For me, mine's taken probably a bit of a nosedive. Um, and again, that can, from a confidence perspective, can be really 
really challenging to work through because I can see as an athlete where I have been in the past and how I have performed and actually how am I showing up and performing now and actually how much am I enjoying it because I almost feel as if I've been in a competition with my younger self um, and I'm not winning this one at the moment so then how does that then move forward so it's 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 hard it's work and it's putting that work in and it does it takes time it takes energy it takes an element of risk it takes mistakes it takes failing and and with all of that it's about learning about yourself and was it hard when you said like that you had times where you felt fragile I presume you were coaching during that time is it hard showing up for others when you've got this internal one I I felt that conflict before whether it's as a lawyer and you know outside of the the hearing room like my life's falling apart uh, I feel it sometimes with a coach when I've been injured like how what what can we use in those situations um to help us show up for others when we're struggling it is it's it's difficult and I had to be really mindful of within this time period it's like okay I've got a business that was battered by COVID literally everything pretty much stopped um and then it was okay how can we get this back up and running so it was almost like a double whammy it's like okay I'm 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 struggling here and actually from a you know from a financial perspective I need this to work um and how can I look after myself and there would be times where at the end of the day I'd just be quite frankly wrung out and absolutely exhausted because everything that I did have had been invested into my clients I'm not saying that's the right way to do it by any means at all (laughs) And it was a survival mechanism to get through that period of time. And there was, even last year under 2022, I got to the end of the year and I was like, I need a break. I know that I need a break. I can feel that the quality of my coaching is not, it hasn't got that edge. Yes, I'm showing up and I'm in in present and I'm, I, am, I am there, though I'm not on that kind of stretch sparky co-creation so it's like I'm, I'm I I that there is more and, and that for me was a real kind of red flag and part of that I'm currently in in the Algarve um working away for a week and then I'm on a yoga retreat and and that was a a, a really conscious decision of self-care and you know finance and money and you know how we spend our money is is you know, for me, it's an enabler, an enabler. And I I gifted myself these two weeks and prioritized the money behind it at the expense of other, other, other things. Though I needed this for me to come away to have a different perspective, to, yes, have some warmth. Um, I That's why I'm wearing a woolly jumper at this interview and you're in sleeveless <laughs> summer wear. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do like physically my body responds well to sunshine you know I've lived overseas in Australia and the Middle East and I've always majority of my races have been in the war for for a reason um and and to come away on a yoga retreat as well to to set that time aside for me was it was a real I I enjoy having this to look forward to for me it's a real balance of time and how I position myself in relationship to time I can be um 
that I'm very future focused. I can live a lot in the in 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 the future, and I I love to to kind of to plan and to research and to hunt out and to like project myself into this future space. And for me, a real learning has to be to be present, to actually be in the moment and enjoy the moment. You don't have to worry about the future; it'll take care of itself. Um, so there's a bit of a control, which for me as well, like managing my control and letting go, letting go has been a, is a real life lesson for me along with patience. So, so yeah, so bringing it back to my clients and I, I, I got to a point as well where I wasn't taking online any, any new clients. I was just like, I have got what I've got in the diary. That is, um, that is enough. And projects wise, you know, I've got some kind of passion projects that I really wanted to get off the ground. And I was like, I I just need to park these. I need to give my position myself permission to go, not now. Yes, you know, great idea. And let's revisit it in six months' time. Or else we can just put so much pressure on ourselves that it can become crippling and it can become really frustrating. And actually by being proactive about it, and and you know, at times it, it for me, I am very driven. I am very much right, let's get stuff done. And to go actually and for this moment, no that realizing that it's it's incredibly liberating and it's bloody hard (laughs) I mean it speaks to me as a kind of flexibility and adaptability that you can kind of reassess and think well actually and I guess you know actually I could change something and make things easier or um better for me I think also like when you were talking about living in the future or being more present I suppose I was thinking back at your definition of resilience and you talked about kind of challenges and obstacles and unexpected. I think that in periods of my life, I found that if I have everything planned out, then something will go wrong or something will be different. And, and that's the challenge. That's the, that's the problem. That's the hard thing. Whereas I think if I'm more present and just like, well, let's see where this go, I'm not setting myself up for those falls so much. Um, so yeah. Um, one thing that we haven't touched on which I know is another passion of yours is the the nature and being outside and you take a lot of your coaching outside and I just wondered where that fits in Mm, nature um and yeah just an invitation to anybody who is listening in it's you know being outdoors what does that bring up in you and what is your relationship to nature you know what does it give you how does it resource you and then actually, what do you give back? And I think particularly at the beginning of the 21st century when we're living in this climate crisis, which has at least now been acknowledged as a climate crisis, um, we all have a responsibility as a human being on this earth to really think about that reciprocal like, relationship that we have with nature because it, it, it does so much for us. And, you know, when you look at the theory, just some like little snippets of some of the psychological theories, um, for us, from a mental and emotional perspective, what it does to improve, whether it is our creativity, whether it is around restoring our attention, whether it is around lowering stress. So anything from, you know, attention restoration theory with the Kaplans, and this was talked about back in the 80s, it's, it's, it's just taken a bit of time to percolate into the mainstream. Uh, which sometimes these things do. And, you know, there's been a lot of research on kind of mental health. Um, England actually about how being outdoors um, just has so many benefits, whether it is down to the fact that 
you know, the, the, the greenery we found really, really soothing or whether it's to do with the soundscape as well. You know, going and listening to to birds, more the songbirds than opposed to like a, a corvid or a gull is is really, really soothing. And, and, and again, you know, blue spaces, water. Um, you think of the, the Japanese gardens, which have got the, 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 the fountains and, you know, kind of forest bathing as well. I'm sure your listeners will be kind of familiar with that term. And, you know, there's been a lot of research done and it, it's, it's more being because it was in Japan and it's taken time to be translated to kind of come through to really, um, have this element of kind of mindfulness within, within nature. And, I don't know, just talking to people, it's like a lot of the time it's like, oh, yeah, I had these really good ideas when I was out for a walk or I was, you know, I've talked things through with a friend. Um, and it, it's within the coaching world, kind of the whole coaching outdoors is, you know, some people have been doing this for, you know, 30, 40 years. It's not, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel. This is just more being really conscious of it. So there have been some kind of dissertation studies done on, speaking to coaches and well what is it about having a coaching conversation you know outdoors with an element of movement how how is that you know different to being indoors sat down um and there's very much this idea of walking alongside somebody it's very different from kind of being sat opposite somebody um and also there's this way of you know when we move how that our brain works slightly differently um as well and when you link it across to you know what do we want from coaching we want someone within the conversation to be relaxed. We want them to be um, open and receptive to new ideas. Ultimately, it's about creating change and designing actions moving forwards. Well, actually, there's a lot of crossover within within that space. And, you know, for me, linking it back to my relationship with nature, I kind of grew up somewhat feral outdoors in the northeast and spent time in the Lake District in Scotland. And I've got very fond memories. And I partly joined the army was because I didn't want to be indoors. I feel trapped indoors. I feel quite confined. So actually for me, my natural environment is, you know, outdoors. I just find it really, you know, echoes the research. I, I feel um a lot more grounded. I feel a lot more connected to myself. I feel a lot more relaxed. Um, I feel a lot more kind of open to ideas and I feel kind of refreshed. So there's there's very much this awareness of, okay, for me, my environment has a huge impact on ultimately who I am and how I show up to each day. And actually, once you have a real awareness of that, it's like, well, actually, how can I create the environment within which I want to be? You know, so, for example, I'm here at the moment by the sea. And, you know, I love being by the sea. And for me, mountains as well is a massive thing. I spend you know, an element of time in Chamonix, which I feel very lucky to. My family has an apartment there and actually being held by the mountains in the valley with Mont Blanc kind of peaking up on the horizon is just a, it's almost, it kind of goes deeper to this more kind of like spiritual side. And I do think that there is a deeper spiritual piece that resilience can speak to as well. How do you, and it links back more to this kind of this purpose and this passion and this connectedness to some bigger universal entity whatever that is or whatever that looks like so as a resilience practice we can get outside is what i heard from that mm. <laughs> and it's 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 being outdoors and i think the invitation is to find somewhere that fills you with joy and there is um there's some research i can't remember the name of the academic who did it there is a paper around the restorative effects of favorite places. So it's very much picking that favorite place 
and whether that's something connected to childhood or whether that's something in you know near where you live um and having that and then it, it comes down to you know even having images of it whether it's pictures around your house or on your computer that in itself you know you've got an anchor to it you can trigger it when you look at that picture it's almost like you are transporting yourself back to that place and that in itself can really bring you know positive feelings positive thoughts helps boost resilience okay so how can I use that as a tool to really help me yes to boost the foundations and to also if I'm having a momentary wobble okay how can I you know maybe take myself there physically or maybe even even mentally um and I think within the nature piece as well there's that there's that degree of and, and what can we give back to nature um you know whether that is through um and I think you know the the the, the act of giving as well can can give us a lot as well um and you know how can you contribute how can you get involved whether that is within your local community or whether that is um something further afield some project that you want to invest in and you know again if you're getting involved outdoors with the local community clearly you've then got this kind of social dimension to it as well you know ideally you're going to be enjoying what you're doing so there's going to be positive feelings coming through um and when you're there you're going to be having kind of thoughts like oh, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and giving back so there's there's layers amongst everything and I really really um I, re- I really am on this mission to encourage people to really explore their relationship with nature and yes benefit from it and also give back as well and you mentioned well I mentioned um that a part of that mission was getting the environment valued in businesses is that something that you don't feel it is and what's your vision for that in the future you're going to have out, <laughs> outdoor offices <laughs> oh and I I think our relationship we, we live in this anthropocentric dimension where as human beings we have put ourselves on the top of the pyramid which is uh, one way of seeing one construct and actually that ego that human beings have where the rest of the world is in service to our needs and it is a resource to be utilized and extracted and mined and taken is is unhealthy it's unbalanced so actually, how can we have that shift from more of an ego to eco, where it is much more networked? And as human beings, we're potentially a bit more appreciative and humble of where we are within the wider system. And it's, you know, it would take a huge shift, an absolutely huge, huge, like, it's it's overwhelming when you kind of step back and look at it. And then it's an ability to go, okay, so well, what can I do? I acknowledge I am part of the system. We live in a capitalist Western society at the moment for what it's worth, a democracy, though that could be questioned in many ways. Um, and it comes back to, you know, control the controllables. What can I control? What can I do? How can I be conscious in the decisions that I make, the choices that I make, the money that I spend, the way that I show up, the words that I choose, the way I manage my emotions? And that is within your remit. And I believe that we all have that responsibility to to make those to make those decisions on a daily basis to the best that we can. And you know, yes, we'll get it wrong, and yes, we'll do trade offs. You know, I'm in the Algarve. I took a flight to get here, um, which you know, for some is 
is not tenable and I respect their decision for that and you know we have this one life on this precious planet how do we move through it that's the question (laughs) well hopefully I mean you've definitely given us some really interesting things to think about we could talk for hours and hours and hours but I won't I mean there was one question that I did want to ask you which hasn't come up yet which is like in the introduction I talked about those kind of podium places that you've had and those successes that you've had but what about the I don't want to call them failures but like the for example the times you haven't finished a race I know you had a a DNF a few years ago (laughs) I mean does that show a lack of resilience is that part of the resilience training is it still resilience how do you see those where does that fit in Oh, DNFs. Oh, dear, for the runners out there. <laughs> um, I don't know. Your perspective on DNFs can change. Um, well, I've been out of running. So for me, like, come on, running's just going a longer path. It's not that big a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it. But at the time, it's like, oh, my God, my world has ended. I didn't finish. And it's like, I know for me, it was immense. I I know that's why I'm asking you about it (laughs) I was it it shook like my foundations and it 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 really kind of stripped me back and stopped me um and now I look at it and yes you know there's been time which is always a bit of a healer there's been an element of a reframe and you know when you're racing these events you're pushing yourself Ah, you're flirting with that boundary of make or break and at at what point are you gonna get it a little bit wrong and actually the lessons to be learned there are rich and once you i don't know get over yourself that it's not a failure there's actually there's a lot that can be learned from it. I still flirt with, do I go back and do diagonal to her at some point? It's not on the cards for this year. Um, I don't I don't know. And I had another DNF at the the Lakeland Trials 100. And that was more my body just broke down on me. Like when you're peeing blood, you're like, oh, okay, maybe you mismanaged the hydration there. Um, which was um I don't know, I feel I feel it was quite a novice mistake, though I hadn't raced at, at, at that intensity due to COVID. So it's it's almost like yes, you can go and do these amazing races and then you know it, it, stripping it back, you you learn, you relearn, you unlearn, you relearn, lessons learned. Um so yeah. DNFs are are an interesting one. Lack of resilience. I think that could be a part of it. And there's more. There's more to it than that. And one thing that I'm kind of interested in on the DNFs is, and I'm not talking about your examples here, it's just kind of hypothetically, is that kind of well, I've seen I have seen it. I mean, it's hypothetical, but not to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nobody in particular. No, but that kind of really suffering, really not enjoying this type two fun that we all love as runners or say that we love. But it's that, you know, 
battling through, having an absolutely awful time and possibly causing long-term damage or injuries, but maybe not, just not having fun, getting to the end. I mean, that kind of, yes, that seems resilient, I guess. But also I have so much respect for people who just say, well, I wasn't really enjoying it, so I just stopped. (laughs) But can we say that that's not resilient? Like, where does this fit in? I'm so confused. (laughs) Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um... I'm trying to think of some intelligent answer. Well, maybe, I mean, now (laughs) I was thinking of that like before, but now you've talked about having that purpose. And I guess it comes down to, well, if you kind of see that this isn't in your benefit to finish, it's not part of the purpose that you can adapt and just think of another um, why it's not important, then I guess it's not unresilient to just walk away from things. And I think I think there is that deeper authenticity with yourself and being like truly honest with yourself as well. <laughs> okay, am I just kind of letting myself off the hook with this or is it like genuinely bigger picture wise? And I don't know whether just if there's like a time dimension to it, it's like, okay, so you know, potentially in this moment I'm being resilient and I'm pushing through, though actually longer term I am battering my resilience. Mm. Something I know after a, an ultra event, I'm a complete mess if I, you know, properly push myself. UTMB after that, the following week was not pretty. And my resilience was at a all-time low, like I paid the price. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that resilience is knowing that actually to be resilient, you need rest and you need to recharge, which... It is something in our always-on world we're not potentially great at. So I think sometimes with DNFs, it can be a really quite premeditated, calculated decision in that moment. And you're like, actually, no, I'm, I'm out. Mm. And I mean, like, I were talking about running, but I obviously extrapolate it to wider things as well. That sometimes... Um... Yeah, the the carrying on and pushing through definitely isn't resilience or in our interest. And yeah, and, and that and for me is just springboarded me back to the conversations of how I was describing I was at the end of this year and mm. barking certain projects and pausing certain commitments or not taking on any more clients. Um, because I knew, being honest with myself, I needed that, that space. Mm. And resilience changes over time the levels of resilience it does it's in flux and so what have you got coming up this year (laughs) we've got some more races have we got some more books and podcasts (laughs) have we just got photos of you on yoga retreats in the sun (laughs) (laughs) oh yes no definite plug shout out to if anyone's wanting a little break in the Algarve, um, there's this beautiful place called Casa Vizetta, um, which is just gorgeous. So if you're tempted for a workation, um, which I'd highly recommend if you have a portfolio freelance work um, environment. And it's also a good opportunity to meet other people. And I've had some amazing conversations with some of the other workationers who are here. And then, yes, leading into a bit of a yoga retreat. So <laughs> hashtag so, yeah, not gifted, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> not gifted so it's no sadly not, but fully paid member, sadly, <laughs> <next year. laughs> yeah so looking ahead um, 
So looking ahead, I've, I've been trying to be a bit, a bit more mindful of travel um, and also just do some more local events as well. Um, so my first up is actually in a week and a half. Um, it's called The Green Man. Oh. It's you run around Bristol. Um, I've heard that one's quite muddy. Really my usual <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a winter version and a, and a summer version. So, yes, um, we'll see how it goes. When I was out wrecking over winter, there was bits that were thigh deep because the rivers had burst and some of the sets had some really quite bad flooding. Um, so hopefully I'm not going to be thigh deep wading through um, burst banks. Um, so that's up and that's just a bit of a shakeout, really. Um, then looking ahead to May, there's one in the Brecon Beacons. Um, and then I'm kindly supported by La Sportiva, um, and they are the main sponsors for Lavaredo. So I, Lavaredo could be on the cards again. Um, I was there in 2018, whether I go back, whether I'm in physical shape to go back. I think, uh, I need a bit more time in South Wales going up and down Paddy Farm to work that one out completely though. It's, it could be on the radar. Um haven't totally committed either way yet um and then looking ahead i've got the occ um chamonix very close to my heart so i've done ccc twice i've done the tds i've done the utmb i won't start my rant about the utmb world taking over the planet and ironman because that's a different <laughs> a different topic um though i'm keen to go and do the occ just to be a I don't know, kind of a part of it and to tick off the list. Um, and then afterwards, I am going out to take part in the four-day stage race, the UTMR Ultra to Monterosa, which I'm very much looking forward to. And then in November, I'm going out to Nepal to do the Manasalu Trail Race. So this, I've got a, a love relationship with Nepal. Um, I've been, I first went age 11. And I love the mountains. So um, I was supposed to do the Mustang Trail race in April 20. Clearly didn't happen. And the one thing I really want to do this year is is to head out. And I'm keen to get involved in the local coaching community as well. So in Kathmandu, I'm going to be connecting with other coaches, doing some development. And then hopefully going up to the Nepal-Tibet border to facilitate some coach training for some teachers. So really trying to blend the running with other work just to make it a bit more purposeful that's what I'm kind of hoping to do um longer term and yeah other than that you know I've got a number of athletes um doing various events as well and I love in a way kind of racing through them um and supporting them on their journey um and I kind of get just as excited almost as seeing them go out and perform so that sounds a a busy year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a running perspective so then we've <laughs> just launched um series five of coaching outdoors so if you are a coach or you're interested in taking conversations outdoors whether you're a manager or you're just more curious about like the benefits of nature and how can you co-partner co-create with nature i'd love it if you could check um that out so yeah other than that you know interesting work projects i i, I feel incredibly privileged to work to, to be able to do the work that I do. Um, and um, I find it genuinely a real, a real honor. I do love, love my job. Oh. It's a blessing. 
Well, I feel very privileged for you to have come on and had this conversation with us all about resilience. Um, I'll put links to your websites in the show notes. Um, but thank you so much, Anna-Marie Watson. I feel like I could have asked you questions for days rather than an hour, but thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jen. It's been an absolute treat. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.